0: Hello, I'm Rena
1: Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed. Where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? I've been thinking about the big scandal and hoo-ha over the film Cuties, or in French, Mignons, by Maimna Ducour, who is a black French director, and this is her debut feature. And it was shown at Sundance, where it got positive reviews and won the World Cinema Dramatic Directing Award. It got a special mention at this year's Bernalé, and then it got picked up by Netflix. And that's where the trouble started, because Netflix and their promotion gave it a misleading and problematic image and description. So the film is about Amy, who's an 11-year-old Senegalese Muslim immigrant, and she's kind of discovering her sexuality. So Netflix used the title cuties and a picture of the main character, Amy, and the dance crew of girls from her middle school in Paris in spandex dance costumes. And the original description that Netflix ran was along the lines of, Amy becomes fascinated with a twerking dance crew and to join them she starts to explore her femininity defying her family's traditions. And this sparked outrage at Netflix, who were accused of sexualizing preteen girls, accusations of paedophilia thrown at the director, people calling for the film to be banned, boycotting Netflix, boycotting the film, and in a really weird twist, it gained a lot of traction among followers of QAnon conspiracy theory, and if you haven't heard of them, QAnon conspiracy theorists are pro-Trump, and believe he is battling a shadowy cabal of democratic paedophiles, which is weird, because Trump was actually seen partying a lot with Jeffrey Epstein, who was an actual paedophile. But anyway, if you want to know about QAnon, I'll post a good link in our show notes, which you can get via our weekly newsletter. What's really ridiculous about this whole thing is it didn't cause any kind of controversy in France. But if you look at the junket interviews on YouTube or the trailer, you'll see some really outraged, disgusted comments. But none of those people have actually seen the film because unless you're a reviewer or at one... One of the film festivals it hasn't been released in the US yet it's coming in September so yeah everyone got their knickers in the twist this week over pre-teen and teen sexuality of girls and it just got me thinking about my own experience at this age and I remember that it was an extremely sexually charged time and I also remember having to suppress it in various ways just you know like being told to sit with my legs closed or being aware in certain situations not to be too provocative or wanted to hide it or like it was a shame or some sort of secret and now it seems Nothing much has changed because people are calling to ban a film that explores exactly this subject, which is by a black woman director who has said that she has drawn from her own experiences in making this film. And I'm really excited to watch this film because this is a topic that's not given much space in our culture. And it's a topic that's kind of censored and controlled from the point of view of a perverted culture and one that does sexualize youth and girls, which is bad. Also kind of limits the self-expression of girls and teenagers and women in their sexuality. So yeah, I was thinking about that and the balance between those two things.
0: Similarly, this week charlie De d'amelio who is that young tiktok star she posted something where she said that her mother wouldn't let her post the wop dance to tiktok and it was just this moment where i was like oh right because she's an actual and literal child who still needs her mother's permission to post things on the internet. She just turned 16 and she's been famous on TikTok longer than this. And if you've ever watched any of her TikToks, she performs these kind of highly inappropriate sexualized dances and just her overall demeanor. You know, she's got really long nails. She's always wearing makeup. She looks a lot older than she actually is. Like I thought she was 20, 21 before I found out that you know her birthday was in May, so, all the TikToks I'd see before, she was a 15 year old girl. And I was sort of thinking about, yeah, what you mentioned a little bit this pedophilic culture that we live in, and just sort of how little girls are being indoctrinated into beauty rituals at earlier and earlier ages to sort of, you know, feed this misogynistic, pedophilic male gaze. And how this is like the intersection of capitalism and misogyny because you know, fashion and beauty products, they're being marketed to women and girls no matter their age. And as long as it generates profits and feeds, you know, into the male gaze, we're all totally fine with it apparently. And this is, you know, just a perpetuation of porn culture because partially due to the like widespread availability of porn, women, girls, they're often considered sexual objects before they're considered human beings. And so, like, no matter what, these girls, like, even, you know, at Charlie's age, the age of 15, they have to be sexually available and presentable to men. These young girls, they're not to blame because they're actual children and all the things that are forced on them. That's not their own fault. They're just repeating what they see in culture, you know, whether it's be through porn or through TikTok or through Instagram. All of these images are more readily available and these girls are just trying to fit in and stuff, but yet we tend to blame them. Nobody looks at the gross men who want to look at pictures of young girls. There's that one movie with Will Ferrell where he's like a race car driver. And I remember this scene so vividly where it shows him like at the beginning of his career and there's like this young blonde girl and she flashes him and you just hear his character go, please be 18, please be 18. And that's so gross. And that's a mainstream film. That is accepted in our culture and and just girls have no agency over their own sexuality
1: yeah it's funny isn't it things that are accepted and things that are not accepted so if you look at beauty pageants and little girls preteen girls and teenagers and young women going to them in themselves are there massive protests and boycott this stuff from the same people Regarding that, or I was reading this article on The Telegraph. The director of Britain's leading center for rape victims, she argues that there is an increasing sexualization of children through slogans on t-shirts and some of the beautiful phrases that are pointed out in this article. So this is clothing for little girls with slogans on them, such as, so many boys, so little time, or you wish or zero to naughty in six seconds. Also for boys, there are t-shirts like lock up your daughters and that's for little boys who are between six months and 11 years old. According to this woman, Dr. Caroline White, there has been a rise in the number of youngsters admitted to the sexual assault referral centre at St. Mary's Hospital in Manchester, where she works, and that it's kind of like all of this contributes to a subconscious drip effect of imagery that is turning girls into provocative lolitas and boys into rutting stag. We don't see these commercialised, accepted things in society kind of criticised, but when a woman explores female sexuality from her own point of view, everyone is outraged. And yeah, I feel like a full expression of female sexuality and femininity is limited because of what's allowed and what's not allowed.
0: I mean, we saw how angry people got about WAP, right? God forbid women express interest or a positive view of owning their own bodies. We said about the little girls is interesting. I have a niece who is 12. And I remember noticing that clothes for girls is just inherently sexier, sexier in quotation marks, of course. I mean, they're children, we shouldn't be sexualizing them. Like seriously, if you look at the clothes that are aimed at her demographic, high key, it's disgusting. So I was rereading Laura Bates's Everyday Sexism, which I would say I highly recommend you read, but any woman probably doesn't need to read it because women's everyday lives. But I think, All men should read it. And what she did was she tweeted out and asked people to share their experiences, specifically women, to share their experiences of everyday sexism. And in this section of the book, she asked girls about when was the first time that they were made to feel uncomfortable publicly by a man and collected these stories one girl tweeted at her when I was 10 my 50 year old neighbor telling me he wanted to be the first person to know when my breasts started to develop another girl tweeted men shouted at me from their car to get your tits out you fucking slag." when I was 16 another girl tweeted age 5 man leaned over the garden wall where I was playing and asked me to twirl so he could see my knickers and it just goes on and on and on and on like this about all of these terrible experiences that these young girls have had and how age five being sexualized by the man next door at age five that's so disgusting think part of the reasons why i mean obviously this is gross and bad and disgusting for these poor girls it sort of makes these girls feel like they can't explore and discover and you know come to terms with their own desires and sexualities and makes them feel like they shouldn't have them and this is where boy bands come in because i think boy bands are so important for young girls for a number of reasons so basically when they go back and they look at You know, the first instinct of boy band hysteria, which, according to Vice, officially began outside the London Palladium on October 13th, 1963, with the Beatles. And they could barely get, you know, through their own concert because of mobs of violent, excited fans and women screaming and wailing and pushing through security. And about how, you know, this is cited as the moment where female decorum came undone. There are a bunch of different things I work here. Basically, it's creating a space for girls to figure out their own sexuality without the input of others. Because these girls are fighting for control of their own bodies, and they're trying to work out their own attraction. And with boy bands, it's like, for the first time, they're allowed to openly lust after or scream after these boys. And it gives them a space and, like, a community to explore this and to have exchanges with other women. Because this idea of, you know, they have a safe space where we're not condemning them. But Imagine that you're, you know, at a One Direction concert or at a Beatles concert and you're just unashamedly allowed to like this thing and you know you can obsess over your crush with your friends and you can you know hang up posters on your wall and you can sort of come to terms with your own sexuality and who you are in that way in a way that you're just absolutely not allowed to in any other way and so then it feels kind of like so shitty that we as a society look down on girls you know when zayn malik Left One Direction, The Guardian wrote, Our thoughts must surely go out to anybody unlucky enough to have given birth to a female child between seven and 14 years ago. And it's this is thinking, like, why are you shitting on girls for having crushes, for liking boys, for unashamedly being interested in the thing? You don't do the same thing to men.
1: Yeah, I mean, the argument has been made that there was nothing kind of sexy or wonderful about the Beatles as young men at that time, you know. It's not like they were particularly sexy. It just happened to coincide with the sexual revolution where women were allowed to be a little bit more freer. And yeah, of course, boy bands do give straight girls and women the societal permission to kind of express their sexuality publicly and together as a community.
0: So it was actually recently rereading, I might regret this, by Abby Jacobson, which is a really good book. And she starts off one chapter called Heartbreak City with a sentence, I have never been in love. And she sort of goes on to explain about how, you know, she's above 30 now, and she's starting to think that there's something wrong with her because she's just, she's never been in love before. And how growing up she was really into rom-coms, and she, you know, she considered herself a helpless romantic, and she just, you know, she just wanted all of the fairy tale things we were sort of indoctrinated with. As kids, she started to, you know, seriously doubt that there was something wrong with her. And then one day she was at a party and she looked up and she sees this girl and she's, you know, she had that love at first sight rom-com moment. And then she starts, you know, reflecting back on how when she was in art school, she was like, oh, you know, maybe I would. She only ever dated guys, but she's like, oh, maybe, I, you know, I would be attracted to women. I would like to date women. But she was so indoctrinated with this idea of heteronormativity that she didn't dare explore this part of her longing of her desire. And that in the long run, she wished, you know, she had been given the space or I want to say like given the permission, but there's not, you know, bisexuality isn't really represented in television or in, you know, mainstream media. And if it is, it's full of cliches or frowned upon or riddled with falsehoods, you know, about how there's a stupid thing where people say, "by now, gay later, which is the idea of like, it's a stepping stone to being gay. You know, she was so stifled by a heteronormative She just wasn't given permission to explore a side of her and it made her feel bad and wrong for so many years.
1: Yeah, I think the overpowering... A male gaze really does limit our own expression of our sexuality. There was a really interesting article in the New York Times, which is called, What Can Brain Scans Tell Us About Sex? There's this idea, which is kind of a male-formed idea, that women are less visual, get turned on by porn less, are more emotional. But brain scans showed that it didn't matter what sex you were when you were shown some porn. Men and women just got turned on equally and whether women admit that or would say that out loud is one thing but according to brain scans they respond largely the same as men to visual stimuli it points out this article that you know the science of sex is kind of paradoxical because you know social stigma prejudice misogyny they condemn as aberrant sexual pleasures a lot of stuff that we that are just perfectly healthy and this kind of shapes our behaviour in its most extreme form men have really denied women their own sexuality and the ability to express and feel full sexuality through female genital operations. So the origins of clitoridectomy date back to ancient Egypt, to pre-Islamic Arabia, to ancient Rome, and Tsarist Russia. And in antiquity, clitoridectomies were performed for a variety of reasons, most commonly as a remedy for overlarged clitoris. And even now, of course, you know, in many parts of the world, such as Sudan, Somalia, Ethiopia, Egypt, Kenya, Nigeria, Mali, Iraq, Yemen, there is female genital mutilation happening which is the male attempt to control and constrict female sexuality. According to UNICEF, 125 million women worldwide have undergone genital operations of some type. And to be clear, this does not actually just restrict itself to other cultures in the Western world, in fact, because of porn specifically. So in the United States, for example, the amount of patients seeking a clitoropexy or the clitoral reduction is increasing. And the amount of women who are just trying to change their labias to fit into pornographic images, which are dictated by the male gaze, is going up. And you were saying about the stories that we tell, like so in rom-coms and stuff, this preferred patriarchal kind of idea of what female sexuality and relationships should be like. There's no problem with this, but then there is a problem with cuties because maybe it's showing a different thing. Cuties is not actually the first time that... An adolescent expression of sexuality has been censored. I was really surprised to learn that Anne Frank's The Diary of a Young Girl, when it was first published in June 1947, roughly 30% of its material was deleted by her father, Otto Frank. Some of the cut material included passages in which Anne describes, like, her vulva, her clitoris, and her vagina from the perspective of her own 15 year old gaze. So here's one passage, for example. Until I was 11 or 12, I didn't realise there was a second set of labia on the inside, since you couldn't see them. What's even funnier is that I thought that the urine came out of a clitoris. When you're standing up, all you see from the front is hair, and between your legs there are two soft cushiony things, also covered with hair, which press together when you're standing, so you can't see what's inside. They separate when you sit down, and they're very red and quite fleshy on the inside. So she's going into these details and like discovering her sex, but this was never included in her diaries until the unabridged edition was released in 1995 on the 50th anniversary of her death with a new translation by Susan Massotti. And then in November 2009, the unabridged version was pulled from the library shelves and classroom bookcases at Culpeper Middle School in Virginia after a parent complained that the diary contained explicit sexual content inappropriate for eighth grade readership but this is a girl expressing her sexuality that surely should just be allowed to exist in the world And maybe girls should be getting their information from probably Anne Frank as opposed to this general pedophilic culture or the male gaze or what the male gaze and, you know, male determined sort of preferences dictate. You know, what's funny about that is that she's
0: literally describing her body and that's considered obscene women's girls' body are, you know, considered obscene. Because you constantly have it in schools with dress codes where it's like girls are pulled from class and told to cover up because their bodies are distracting. I mean, what you're essentially telling the girls there is that, oh, a boy's education is more important than yours because you're pulling them from class, you're sending them home because they're distracting the boys. And you're like, you're perpetuating rape culture because a boy or a man can handle not looking at my thighs or my shoulders if it's 100 degrees, a hundred degrees, girls should be allowed to wear shorts and spaghetti strap shirts without men freaking out because her comfort is, you know, in heat is more important than a man who apparently can't control himself. We we're talking about how, like, you know, all these messaging that we receive about how, you know, sex isn't for women and it's not, you know, cool to own your own sexuality. I'm thinking about the fact that did you know that marital rape was legal in Germany until 1997, and that in fact. When it was voted upon, 138 members of parliament voted against making it illegal. Most notable, my favorite person in politics, Horst Seehofer, who is our interior minister, and also Friedrich Merz, who is trying to become the next head of the CSU. Isn't that great? So these are the men that are apparently supposed to run our country, because remember, sex is something that women do for men.
1: There's a really funny thing on the internet, which was somebody had said, oh, we can't make Pupils wear masks in schools in the US. We just can't enforce that. And then the reply was like, Yeah, tell that to any girl who's been pulled over to be told that her skirt is too short. They enforce it when it comes to girls all the time. And also, yeah, like you say, everything's catered towards what the male gaze would be. But it's a bit like rape culture, you know, like women are told to do a thousand things. Don't go, you know, to your car by yourself. Don't walk alone at night. They always look behind you. Crow- The road, blah blah blah. But why aren't men just told to like stop assaulting women? And it's the same with this kind of stuff like, why can't we just let teenage girls be and express themselves how they are? And then, and we crack down on pedophile culture rather than teenage girls' sexuality.
0: When I was younger, I absolutely loved the Backstreet Boys. It would have been the early to mid 90s, and they were doing a special on TV, like behind the scenes. And I wasn't allowed to stay up and watch it. And I made my mom record it for me on VHS. And I still have it to this day. Nick Carter, that was my jam. I don't know if... <laughs> is giving me a look of absolute disgust right now. but But when I was, you know, a little girl... I was all, but I, I remember just that you know being able to fangirl over them and just like enjoy their music. To this day, I unashamedly enjoy the Backstreet Boys' music. If I heard it now for the first time, I would be like, "This is not for me. This is terrible." But because I have that you know nostalgia, remembering what it was like to be a preteen and be like screaming over the Backstreet Boys, they're amazing. I love the Backstreet Boys, but they like, they were so important for me when I was younger. And on that beautiful Nick Carter note, are three things. How to be a better person this week are presented by Ali Mann. Hi, my name is Ali and I am a coach
2: specializing in relationships, intimacy, and sexuality. Yeah, I guide people to discover more about themselves, their needs, their desires, and any patterns that might be holding them back from the kind of intimacy that they would like. Here are three tips for improving sexual well-being number one is take total responsibility for your own pleasure and this is a really essential one because nobody else is going to take responsibility for you nor should they it's your pleasure it's your body this is really essential and actually very liberating and you can kind of stop waiting for somebody to come and save you or come and give it to you just really reframing it and knowing that it's yours Also knowing that nobody can read your mind and no one will know what you like apart from you because they're not in your body, they're not in your mind. So yeah, they won't know until you tell them. It's also completely fine not to know and figuring it out is just part of the learning process and can be really fun as well. So enjoy that and have some play, playfulness with that and just hold that very lightly. Like, hmm, maybe this is something I, maybe not. That's, that's how we all learn. And also just think it's actually a real gift to tell someone what you want. How would you feel if somebody asked for something that they truly wanted and would make them feel really good? That would make me feel really great and really trusted. Number two is breathe. Notice, are you stopping your breath? Is it coming up short and sharp in your chest? or can you let it flow how your body wants to flow? Notice how your breath rhythm changes as you become aroused. Yeah, just really try and let yourself breathe. This is an important one. (laughs) So number three is listen to your body and speak from it. For example, if I notice that my shoulders and back are feeling a bit tense, maybe a bit defensive. I can speak that. That's the first step of awareness, what's going on in my body. And the second is, what would they need in order to feel safe? What would allow them to rest and relax? So maybe it's, I need to know that my boundaries will be respected or that my desires will be welcomed. And sometimes I find just even speaking, speaking from this place helps to to rest them. And just know even if what you need can't be met in that moment, those needs are still valid and okay
1: if you like this podcast please subscribe and share it with your friends and if you like you can share your internet obsession
0: with us tweet us and follow us on instagram at the underscore
1: misinformed or email us at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com you can also subscribe to our newsletter find the link via our instagram or our show notes. we are an independent nonprofit podcast if you would like to
0: show us some love, you can give a one-off donation via SoundCloud or become a patron
1: on patreon.com misinformed. Thanks for listening, and until next week.